Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Hall of Justice Comic Cast. As always, I'm your host, the Above Average Joe, and with me again is... Mighty Mike. Mike, that was a somewhat alien voice you got going on there. What are we talking about today? Uh, yes, it was. Actually, today we're covering uh, one of the most classic out-of-this-earth characters, and I'm talking about the one, the only, Marvin Martian. He means Martian Manhunter, folks. <laughs> oh, man. John Johns, the Martian Manhunter. All right, let's break down this big, green, lovable man. All right, his first appearance is the Manhunter from Mars in Detective Comics number 225 back in 1955. That was a this backup story in Detective Comics, if yeah, I remember correctly. absolutely. This guy's been around for a long time. And we're going to talk about how he, he's been, he, it was a while before he had his time in the spotlight. But he was created by Joseph Smatchson, uh, the writer, and Joe Serta, the artist. His origin was brought to Earth by an accidental teleportation by Dr. Saul Erdell. Uh, the pure shock ends up killing Erdell, which is, is crazy. Because you imagine, you know, a giant green Martian man just appears in front of you when you're working on a teleportation machine. And he's like, ah! Ah! and he dies. Uh, and and the machine was malfunctioning in the first place, so that strands John on Earth. There's no way for him to get back. He doesn't understand the technology. Uh, so he started as a, a backup character, much like Joe was alluding to, um, but he got his first story lead in House of Mysteries 143 to 155, where he was kind of his first appearance as a, uh, a mainline character. Uh, and not long after that... Uh, he, he really increased his profile by becoming a founding member of the Justice League of America in Brave and the Bold number 28, which we talked about in our previous cast. Yeah, so let's talk about his inclusion in the Justice League because um, at the time, DC still had their Earth-1 and Earth-2 continuities going mm-hmm. side by side, and there was kind of some worry that having their mainline heroes like Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman to a lesser extent yeah. because she still wasn't quite as popular as those two, having them involved directly in the Justice League would water down their storytelling. Yes, it's really weird. Because they weren't even part of the JSA. No. I mean, they pulled them out entirely. And again, again, it, may, it makes sense from a certain degree because they had built their, their universe yeah. around those two tentpole characters and didn't want to sully them. So Martian Manhunter was brought on the team as kind of an airsatz Superman because yeah, his powers are off the charts. It, it, it's, it's very interesting because it's the pure antithesis to today's thoughts and ideals when you have a Wolverine in every comic in Marvel. And you have so Batman many claws are, are, are everywhere. But yeah, they literally, that was the problem. They were like, no, we don't want to water them down. So they came up with these analog characters, which is, is seen throughout the, the Justice League era at this time. Uh, because they're like, oh, so we need somebody with the same similar power set as Superman that can stand in for him against these cosmic threats, etc. But without watering down Superman. And so Marvin Manhunter was induced. Martian Manhunter? Martian Manhunter. It's going to keep happening. Oh, man. The first one um, was on purpose. So let's talk for a second about some of his his origin elements, because what I really liked about him is he was one of the first DC characters that wasn't based in a New York-esque area. No, very much not. Now, where is he based? Do you remember? Um, was it Chicago? Denver. Denver. He's in Colorado. He's a, he's a mountain man. Um, he does end up going more urban, but he, for a while, spends a lot of time in the Colorado area. That's actually where mm-hmm. Dr. Erdell's observatory was. Um, what I actually really enjoyed about that whole storytelling is that right after he appears and Erdell dies, he takes on the appearance, appearance of Erdell. Yeah. Because Martian Manhunter, let's, I think this is a good segue to talk about his powers. Yeah. Um, he's 
He's overpowered, man. He's got a lot, he's lot of juice. He's Omega. <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously, he's got the, the same proportionate strength and durability. Not quite on the same level as Superman, but yeah. close enough to make it count. Yeah. Um, he has... Concussive eye blasts like Cyclops. Very true. He's a shapeshifter. Like, his full capabilities, like Mystique-level shapeshifter. He can create organs, etc. He, he doesn't need to breathe in space. Uh, it can shape into any size. His, his volume and density doesn't... He has full shapeshifting capabilities. And speaking of uh, his density, density. Mm-hmm. He, he actually has the ability to phase through solid matter. Not like in The Flash where he's able to shift his molecules, no. but he can actually slip through and still converse and be yes. completely active while incorporeal. Uh, yeah. It's a, He's also probably the most, one of the most powerful, powerful tel- telepathic minds yeah. in the DC universe. He's for a long time focused, functioned as kind of like the secondary communications hub mm-hmm. for the Justice League in the event that their primary systems go down, they'll start chatting through John's mind, which has got to be both annoying and impressive at the same yeah, time. Yeah, which is huge. I mean, in, like, Flight, even. That's a, it's a pretty impressive list of, of powers when you have to, like, think about flight. I'm for, like, oh, yeah, flight, too. For a character that's got so much power, he's constantly put in the back burner. Let's, let's a- talk about that. A- absolutely. Uh, it's when, uh, after Superman joined the League, uh, John was slowly pushed to the background, uh, and they even went so far as to have his people come reclaim him from Mars to take him back to, uh, take him back home. And they, he literally was just gone for over a decade. He makes sparse appearances mm-hmm. and uh, but but he, like literally putting a, a pin in the head saying that he absolutely was Superman analog and as soon as Superman there was there, they had no reason for John to, to be on the team or even be in the comics. It's kind of a sour note. They is. created this great character and then couldn't figure out what to do with him. Yeah. But it wasn't it, it was after several several years after that. In nineteen eighty four he would return to Earth uh, and the League a few short years later in 1987, he'd become a member of Justice League International, another founding member. Uh, next year after that, in 1988, he would receive an updated origin in a four-part mini-run that completely revitalized his origin, retconned a, a couple of things. Well, what, what, did, what did it retcon? It explained his new uh, Martian appearance, uh, where he has the Martian Manhunter, but then he has his natural form with the pointy head and a little bit more sharp mm-hmm. and angular. Uh, it explained that now his, he was the last surviving member of his race and his de- the, his entire race was wiped out. Uh, and it retconned Dr. Erdell dying of shock when he was found. Uh, and so Dr. Erdell is very much alive and helps him to uh, integrate into Earthen society now that he knows that, especially it doesn't, instead of having a longing to go home and be back with his people, uh, which are all dead now, it gives him a reason to stay on Earth and it Having Dr. Adele alive gives him an input uh, on how Earth society works and how to integrate into it. And I think that's kind of the main thing that Martian Manhunter was lacking for a time was a true connection to Earth. He was stranded here yes. and had no personal connection. That's the big difference between him and Superman, who was raised mm-hmm. on Earth and sees himself as human. Jean is very much aware that he is not of this Earth. And during this time, they give him, like, they they show him interacting with humans in Earth with his revised origin, and they'd give him little quirks like, well, the fact that he like absolutely loves and is obsessed with Oreos. Oh, I love that! Yeah. I love that. In Just joke. a nice little quirk to to throw in there that helps to round out the character and really ground him on on planet Earth. Yeah, it's it's absolutely great. Um, 
yeah, not not too long of that after that, in 1997, he would again be a founding member. So it just seems like, hey, we need to found something. We need to start something. Let's bring John in. Well, that you know, that's very much the case. John's always been a, a pillar of the Justice League, especially when his own books were or, were lacking or when he didn't have a book to appear in. Which is yeah, far and few between. Uh, but yeah, it was Grant Morrison and Howard Porter's JLA, uh, and it, that would go on to be a continuation. Uh, uh, but then there was a major shift and a little thing called Crisis. Joe, you want to talk about that? Well, yeah. Well, inf- uh, sorry, Crisis on Infinite Earths was the one that happened in ni- 1984. It was the first DC Crisis event that helped clear some of the, mm-hmm. the multiple Earth continuity. And it was established there that Jean is connected to the multiverse in a, in a way similar to, uh, say, the, the Marvel family from Earth-5 or even mm-hmm. Superman himself. He is very closely associated to the cosmic tuning fork that is able to coalesce the universes. Yes. So that was an important piece there, which kind of triggered his involvement in Justice League International, mm-hmm. um, which also, you know, again, that going tying back to our Justice League episode last week, or in the last couple of weeks, pardon me, uh, where we talk about Martian Manhunter actually taking over leadership of the JLA yeah. in Justice League Detroit, transitioning into... Um, What's it called? Sorry. Uh, Justice League International. And that was, again, an invasion because of the White Martians. Or Justice League United. That was later. That was later? Yeah. Um, So let's talk for a second about the the Martians, because there's a couple of pieces I want to hit here. Yes. There are two Martian races. There's the the White White Martians and the Green Martians. Jean is a Green Martian. Um it's gone back and forth. See, originally there was only There's the been several origins. Yeah. Originally there was only the one set of Martians, the mm-hmm. Green Martians, and they were the ones that invaded and led to the creation of Justice League Detroit under Aquaman, and then later on under Martian Manhunter. And again, even during that little event, Martian Manhunter still played a background character. Yeah. So it's, it's, I think it's a lot of the issues there are just because they don't know what to do with Jean. No. And it's you interesting think he'd because be front and center in a Martian invasion. Exactly. But no. Which we see in other media, actually. Um, so we have Jean kind of as a background character in the first Crisis, and then Infinite Crisis. Well, you want to talk a little about the White Martians? I'm going to get to that in just a second. Okay. Uh, so the White Martians evolve in um, kind of a a need to separate Jean from a Martian counterpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, again, folding out of that revised origin where the White Martians are militaristic and basically vengeful. They're everything that anybody who's ever yeah. been afraid of aliens would expect a Martian to be. They're, they're, they're Martian Cleons. And it, it, it establishes that the green race of Martians are subservient to the White. The exactly. White's like the master race, the stronger one. Uh, and But they, the White doesn't... The, is the green has higher shape shifting capabilities, but the the white are much stronger. The white are much stronger. They're brutish. They're mm-hmm. pretty much warmongers. And you're right. The green are subservient to them. And during the war for Green Martian independence, basically they're all wiped out. Yeah. And Jean is responsible for sealing away the white Martians and has left the last man mm-hmm. on Mars, the last son of Mars. Mm-hmm. Um, which is actually uh, something that's really coolly explored in a novel by, I want to say it is Roger Stern, but it could be Kevin J. Anderson, pardon me. It's called Last Sons. Hmm. So it's actually a flashback hmm. to a uh, tie-in between Martian Manhunter and Superman. Because they've actually linked up a lot. There's a, a backup story in an issue of Action Comics. Uh, it's talking about Superman's earlier years. Hmm. And 
Martian Man- Manhunter confronts him in order to determine that Superman is not a threat. Uh. Because he has claimed this Earth as, as his own. Mm-hmm. He's, he is its current protector, protector yeah. even in the shadows. So he comes out to basically test Superman's resolve and his commitment to, to defending the planet. Yeah, he's be- it's his new adopted home, and he's become very sympathetic to it. Yeah. I had to... If there's not a John Carter crossover somewhere back in time, somebody needs to make a time machine and go back and make it. Well, that Disney owns that now. <laughs> but going back to Infinite Crisis, again, mm-hmm. Jean is very much tied to the cosmic tuning fork, and he's yep. um, attacked in the JLA Watchtower. He kind of finds himself more often than not on monitor duty monitor because he doesn't duty, have absolutely. an active human life. Yeah, he would. He did have a, uh, a human... Uh, a secret identity that he was a detective, and that's why you know he got to start detective comics. Uh, he would interact with Batman a lot in those in those cases, but eventually he just dissolved that character, kind of like how Thor had he has his human character and his uh, hero character. Uh, but John eventually just like nope, I'm just going to live as a Martian, and that that puts him up to be one of the chief monitor duty. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, charge. it's it is it's. Wildly conflicting because in one part you're happy yeah. that he actually embraces his Martin Lin- his Martian lineage again and is living mm-hmm. out in the open, but you also lose that connection with the character. Uh, interestingly enough, his detective name is John Jones. John Jones. They got really creative with that. Yep. Um, but there's some really good stories that revolve around um, the John Jones character as well as mm-hmm. John himself. Yeah. Uh, do you mind if I go into that? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, specifically, uh, when I talk about some of the other medium, like in, in the Batman, we have a lot of interaction with uh, John Jones, the detective, and Batman. Mm-hmm. And that ties back to uh, the story I really want to talk about, which is great for Martian Manhunter, but it's DC The New Frontier. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was a book by Darwin Cook, who sadly passed last year. He's yes, an amazing creator, amazing artist. But it really hinges on John, both as a detective and as kind of growing to become a superhero, uncovering this mystery regarding this ancient entity known as the center that is corrupting the earth and coming to destroy it. So Jean is on the trail. He's following all these secret societies. He comes in contact with Batman, who, of course, discovers that he is, in fact, a Martian, but sees that he's trying to do good and basically says, hey, don't screw this up. Mm. And it all kind of culminates in Jean shedding his human persona and taking on that of a hero in order to combat this and unite with Earth's standing heroes to defend the planet. Seeing that he can protect the planet more as the Martian Manhunter than John Johns. Exactly. Uh, all right. And so we would have a major change with him uh, leading uh, out the outro to Crisis. Uh, in the eventual death of the Martian Manhunter, and it it, it was it was it was it was shocking. But it, like as you said, it was pivotal because he was a part of that tuning fork. And there was times in Crisis that showed uh, how powerful he is as a oh as yeah he goes toe to toe with uh, uh, Superboy Prime, and he goes toe to toe with Superboy Prime. He goes toe to toe with a cosmically powered Alexander Luther from mm-hmm. Earth Three, I think. Um, at one point during Infinite Crisis, when basically all hell's breaking loose, and Superboy Prime has basically going, he's going to try to fly through Oa and restart the universe. Jean telepathically contacts every standing every hero on the planet yeah. and says, 
you know, we need this. This is our time. I encourage all of you who can take who can fly to take to the skies. Again, I mean, it's a hell of a rallying call. That's not the first time that Jean's been at the center of the Justice League like that. I mean, even after mm-hmm. Infinite Crisis in fifty uh, two, Jean is under the what used to be Justice Mountain, their original base, and he is literally using his Martian vision to carve out statues of mm-hmm. fallen leaguers. And it's a very touching moment because he's carving the statue of Blue Beetle, and I admittedly uh, got a little choked up. So, Joe, how did he die? Well, that happened in the countdown to Final Crisis. Mm-hmm. So, DC has already kind of talked about how they have their crisis events. Yes. And the, how you had Crisis on Infinite Earths, Infinite, Infinite crisis, crisis, and Final Crisis are all part of one big story. Yeah. So... Several heroes are trying to take down the Justice League, and they they murder John Jones. Yep. And he is found dead by the Justice League. They have an amazing funeral funeral for him on Mars. It is gut-wrenching. Yeah, it's tough. And the League is shattered after this because this is the first time in a long time that one of their founding members has died. I mean, the last time that happened was Superman, and John was actually there when Superman died, although he was telepathically uh, controlled into taking the persona of a character called Bloodwind. Yeah. Which was really an interesting retcon, because the Bloodwind character came out of nowhere, and everyone was like, where's Martian Manhunter? Oh, uh, I don't know. He's been posing as Bloodwind. Yeah. Sure, that was it. (laughs) It was funny. It was odd. It was the 90s. What can I say? Yeah. So John's death really rocked the league and it really rocked Superman because he was close to John in a way that not everyone else was. Yeah. And it's interesting that this is shown here because John is a character who relates to certain members of the Justice League really well in mm-hmm. ways yeah, you wouldn't expect. So uh, for instance, in Identity Crisis, there's a moment when Aquaman is remembering the loss of his son and John is right beside him remembering the loss of his family mm-hmm. on Mars. Clark being the last son of Krypton has a lot of camaraderie with John's being the last son of Mars. I mean, there's a lot of really good connection points there, even with Diana because she can never yeah. go home and John essentially can never go home because his home is gone. His planet is desolate. Yeah. So in his death, let's talk about his, his weaknesses. We talked a little bit about his power set and him being an omega level hero with just just ridiculous amount of power in uh, at his at his beck and call uh, and the sheer strength of it. But he they had to give something some kind of, of weakness uh, to him. And a lot of times in, in several different arcane uh, incarnations, it's been attributed to fire, whether it's been actual fire or the psychological fear of being burnt with fire. Uh, originally, fire would weaken his cellular structure and, and damage him for even passes of vulnerability. It was kind of similar to kryptonite. Yes, it was. It, it just the, the particular form of plasma energy, etc., would destabilize his molecules where he couldn't hold his cohesion, and he would essentially melt. Yeah, it turned into kind of like this writhing like, pile of green goo. It was weird but interesting. And then we moved from there to uh, the psychological effect of fire, where they, the Guardians actually interposed into the, the, the Martians' uh, evolution because they were too strong. They were ravenous. We had to talk about the White Martians and the Green Martians and the Brute and their, the powers unchecked. Because 
he's not exactly the standout of Martians. Like, they all have a huge amount of power set. They are very capable species. So the Guardians, for the good of the galaxy, impose this psychological fear of fire into them and have some kind of trigger weakness to help them be controlled instead of running rampant and taking over the galaxy. Uh, and John struggles with that consistently when, when, when he's had that new psychosis where he knows, he's stated that I know the fire can't hurt me. I know I'm invulnerable, and that shouldn't that should matter, but it doesn't. I I, I can't. It, it's literally a trigger in his mind that he just can't deal with, and it shuts him down. Uh, so it's very difficult to to have a weakness that you know doesn't harm you, but you can't do anything or deal with it, regardless of the fact. Well, it's a great example of uh, Tower of Babel, which I believe we talked about yes. previously, when John is covered in phosphorus and mm-hmm. essentially ignites. He's completely unharmed, but he's so terrified, he's basically running around this forest, yeah. just caught in his own mind in yeah. terror, and he's creating a wildfire. He retreats inward. He just yeah. he just can't deal with it. Like It's it's literally so traumatic. There have been a lot of great storylines that deal with his weakness and his fight against that that fear of fire. There's another story mm-hmm. in uh, Grant Morrison's JLA run where that weakness is essentially negated and oh, yeah. Jean <laughs> becomes monstrous. Like, he actually becomes a threat that the rest of the league is like, I don't know if we can take this down. Absolutely. So it, it really firmly establishes his power yeah. and his position. But again, that's kind of like the overarching theme with Martian Manhunter is a great character potential that is never really executed it's been, on. It's been, he's been fumbled. He's been fumbled. He, well, he's, he's, he's one of the strongest heroes out there. He has he, he has all these things that you can empathize with of, of being a fish out of water, um, most a lot of times being the last of his people and uh, being attached to a new home, having friends that are his family. Uh, a lot of things that a lot of people can identify with. That The basis of his character is all there for, for golden storylines, but he's just, uh, for, for a character that was created as an analog for Superman, he's just been fumbled and pushed to the wayside when they just don't understand the... The, the, the hidden gem they have. If they Absolutely. Just I mean, you've got so many other analog characters that have been able to break free. I yes. mean, Green Arrow shifted out of his pseudo-Batman role. Yep. But John seems to constantly be stuck in Superman's shadow. And a lot of that is due to the way that they handle him and the, the stories they put mm-hmm. him in. Um, he hasn't had a, a, an ongoing series. I think the last one he had was in the New 52. It lasted like 12 issues. But before that, it was like 2002, 2003 that he had another book run. Let's let's take that as a segue to talk about um, some people who have really given John his due in other mediums because we briefly touched on this. But like we said, comics, he's been kind of put in the back line. He's been a founding member of Law, but a lot of times analog for Superman. But he really shined in the animation and uh, on television uh, over the 80s and 90s and early 2000s uh, with the DC animation series. Um, we have him as the leader of the team and, and Young Justice. He's uh, teaching them and their mentor. He was a mainstay character in Batman, uh, the ba- the Batman. He was in super a lot of appearances in uh, Superman the animated the television series. Well, you had like, um, he was in. A founding member of the Justice League and the Justice mm-hmm. League cartoon. In fact, he's the reason yes. they actually assemble. Yeah. He's the one calling them all together, which tied back to his revised origin where he showed the Martian form and his hero form and the fight against the white Martians. Um, that, of course, led into Justice League 
Unlimited, yeah, which he, there he before he, Flash, they really he ended up due. leaving the team for a while and living on Earth. On, yeah, just trying to understand the planet that he had taken His up new as, as home, yeah. yeah. And that was a really good storyline when he eventually returned because he, I mean, his loss was felt. He disappeared yeah. in like one of the last seasons, and you're just like, where is he? Doesn't feel right. And he returns in the last episodes uh, when he's needed, and it's such a rallying mm-hmm. cry. He is, you mentioned the Batman. He's yeah. the very first other hero that the Batman yep. in that universe comes across. Again, during a, a conflict with the Martians. It, it, it very much yeah, elaborates on his detective persona as John Johns. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, his detective persona gets a lot of airtime and a lot of showtime in that series where he really gets to shine and not only show that he's a super-powered character, but he's also very, very intelligent. I want to segue to that because Smallville did a really good yes. reinvention of the character where they introduce him as a ally of Jor-El, mm-hmm. Superman's father, but he was actually essentially a cop. He helped yeah. track down criminals across the cosmos. Mm-hmm. So they reinvented him as a Martian manhunter. Man yeah. He wasn't just a detective who was a Martian. He was an actual Martian cop. He was a bounty hunter. He was uh, a bounty uh, hunter. He, he was the negative for the, for, for the Phantom, Phantom Zone. Zone. He was uh, essentially Boba Fett. Yeah. I mean... Yeah. With and, and a slightly they, better color scheme. They, so he's really gotten his due. And he's even made appearances in the in the new Supergirl show as a prominent oh, main character. Oh, David Harwood is doing an amazing job. Oh, fantastic portrayal. I remember when they revealed because they throughout, throughout the first season they kind of slowly hinting that something was going on with the the Hank Henshaw character, and the mm-hmm. I remember the chills like, I got. Oh. When they when he looked at the camera and said, "I'm the last son of Mars," and his yeah. eyes glowed red, and I was like, "Yes!" <laughs> it was yeah. so good. Yeah, David Harwood's doing an amazing job with that character. Although they just announced he's not going to be in the, the this season's Arrowverse crossover. Yeah, unfortunately. Probably because with Supergirl Offworld, he's that planet's only defender. I yeah, get it. There's, it makes sense. There's a lot of good story reasons there, but it's just like, damn it, damn it, I want the Martian Manhunter on that on that crossover. So, the, in in this in this gap where the Martian Manhunter is dead, he really gets his due in the media of television, animated series, television live action series, even leading into the modern day. And yeah, because I mean, he was on Smallville. He he yeah. showed up in. I think season six, it was, yeah, it and was, was a consistent character from on. then on. Like yep. He had a few appearances in season seven. He was a big player in seasons eight, nine, and ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, was a founding member of that Airsats okay. Justice yeah. League. There was a great moment in Smallville where he had actually saved Clark's life by flying him through the sun yep. at the cost of his own abilities. Yep. And in one episode, uh, Doctor Fate who knows he's about to die, opens a portal and pushes him into the Martian atmosphere and you see mm-hmm. Jean restored. You oh. see him even flash green again and it was yeah. just like, yes! Yeah. It was a great moment. And so it, it might have been all these amazing portrayals in, in other multimedia formats showing the potential of the Martian Manor of John Johns that, that sparked when they did the DC crossover event series with Green Lantern brightest uh, blackest night and brightest day absolutely and they it starts off there was a lot of characters that that came back from the dead um but well did they did they come back they from didn't the come dead, back. they're or? dead they, they had the black ring and necron uh, yeah the necron the god of death was using the book of black and working through uh black hand who's a long-standing green lantern villain to essentially wake the dead and turn them into zombie lantern corpse. It's interesting that I like this this event as much as I did because I hate zombies. Yeah, Joe. 
Oh god, does it, not do zombies. It was hard for me to get through on some pages. I'll admit. And I'm like, I'm like, they're they're lantern husks. They're not zombies. They're lantern husks. And I'm like, yeah, that's nice, but this one just clawed <laughs> out of a coffin. It's 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 a fucking zombie, man. Um, but John is reawakened. Yeah. Along with a lot of characters, mm-hmm. and it's very traumatizing for the league to oh, see. So hard to see and to fight against them. Oh yeah, I mean there. Were, I mean. Jean hit me the hardest out of all the characters yeah. that pop back up. I was like, oh, okay, that's an alternate world thing. Eh, I don't really care about Hawkman all that much. Jean, no! I mean, no! it was him and Aquaman were the two that broke my heart the oh, most. Yeah. Um, <sighs> but that follows up to the event Brightest mm-hmm. Day, wherein the Black Lanterns have been defeated and it's caused the creation of the White Lantern White of Lantern. Life. Yep. So all these characters that have returned to life essentially become avatars of the white and try to determine their purpose yep. in this new life. And so John gets a, a second lease on life and he he's brought back along with a, with a plethora of, uh, of other heroes. And this was a way leading up from Green Lantern Rebirth uh, and Jeff Johns just fixing the entire Green Lantern mythos in, in the world and introducing the spectrum and everything. It was leading up to that and in a way for him to say, you know what, I'm going to, I put this polish on Green Lantern. I'm going to put this polish on the rest of DC now. I'm going to get back to its heart. I'm going to bring some of these characters back because he appreciated and he understood the, the weight and effect and the, the future pot, potential of John Johns brought him back along with the other uh, other mainstay characters like Aquaman who Jeff Johns would then go on to write and, and the New 52. Uh, and speaking of New 52, uh, Happened in 2011. Let's let's move on right into that. Yeah. So the the new 52 was DC's 2011 relaunch. They did a line wide restart, dumped all their continuity. Well, with the exception of some Batman and Green yeah. Lantern, which caused some some fan ire. Because um, I was like, you already did Green Lantern rebirth. You don't need to touch my lanterns. Leave them alone. They're perfect. They didn't. It was weird. Um, but the Justice League was the first book out in the New 52, mm-hmm. and John was no longer nope. a founding member. Not there at all. Yeah, he was replaced in the lineup with Cyborg, Cyborg, which was a good evolution for Cyborg and one that was well-deserved, but for Martian Manhunter fans, though we are few and far between, we were pretty much instantly jilted. Yeah, it was a bit annoying. Like, we just got John back, and then move, boom, he's pushed to the sideline. But then he, he appeared in a book that was uh, eventually... That uh, was originally a part of the, uh, I think it was it was Vertigo imprint, but it was not a Vertigo imprint. It was a, the the universe of the Wildstorm universe, and that was called uh, Stormwatch, where it's this kind of like intergalactic, multi-dimensional yeah, uh, they, peacekeeping force. They, which they reintroduced Stormwatch as kind of a backup element in Superman yeah. before spinning it into its own book. And again, it was cool because it gave us Apollo and Midnighter yes. again, which we've already talked about how much so we love them. Good. And John was just kind of again there. He was the powerhouse of that team. Yes. He was the, he was the de facto leader of, of the team, and it kind of touched on his his groundstone of where we talked about he was in touch with the multi dimensions of the tuning fork and, and 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 so. But it didn't. But but we have to take an account with the new fifty two. It was a new universe with new origins for everybody. And so to take him out of the the Justice League, put him in leader Stormwatch, and then just like give him no background and origin. Uh, they they really quickly learned that like okay we got to give him something so peppered into Stormwatch you have a reintroduction to John's origin where Mars was a fertile land where he is the race and all his people are together in a communal telepathic a community and he's being elected to be their leader but they're all connected and linked and the only way he can become their leader is to show that he's strong enough to so he has to be by himself. 
So he flies and leaves Mars, and it's all a test and a challenge to be able to exist outside kind of like this hive mind structure uh, to show that he has the strength to be one of many and to lead all. And it's it's really interesting that the, they chose to tell his origin throughout in just small flashbacks throughout the the run on Stormwatch. And as a matter of fact, they kind of understood that because after about 12 issues into Stormwatch, they pulled John off Stormwatch. And not, it was really weird how they did it because it was like, okay, he's leaving Stormwatch to go to, uh, to join the Justice League. They pulled him off Stormwatch, had this weird breaking up, and then John raced the memories of everybody on Stormwatch that he ever existed in Stormwatch or was ever a part of the group ever. Uh, it, it's essentially, essentially allowing Stormwatch to go on unchanged, except without John, there that it never happened. It was it was so weird. The Justice League. Uh, it's yeah, it's it, it is weird. Well, let's talk about his his Justice League moment because even in the New Fifty Two, there was this iffy. Did he actually join the League moment? Like no one really knew. There was conflicting uh, accounts. There of were it too. yeah, there were conflicting there were accounts. Writers that uh, said that he was a member of the Justice League, and then that there were that came out later and corrected, and those others that say. No, he definitely wasn't a member of the Justice League, but then it's still mentioned anyways. It's, it was very weird. Yeah, and that, and that crossed over into uh, Brian Again. Hitch's JLA book where they say he was like he was on the team for like a week yeah. thing. And uh, he was Again, fumbling. It's just the history of the Martian Manhunter of DC yeah. just getting continually fumbled. And going back to kind of what we originally talked about, his creation where he was a Superman analog. Yeah. In New 52, there was a government-sponsored team called Justice League Justice of America, League. Yep. which eventually then became Justice League International and Justice League United after that. It went through a lot of reinvention. Yeah. But Jean was brought onto that team by Amanda Waller, who was a background character, kind of a mover and shaker in the DC Universe, yes. specifically because he is Superman's counterpart. Yeah. He, he is, was to be the foil to Superman. Every member of that team was selected to be a foil of a certain member of the yep, Justice League. Exactly. And he was supposed to take out Superman. And then, but they, it's, it just seems they have a pattern. Because then after that, he went on to be a founding member of Justice League United. So we have this weird uh, set of events that keep repeating themselves. Or like, oh, we don't need him. We'll phase him out. Oh, boom! He's back in the spotlight. Boom! He we we need him to found uh, be a founding member of something. And he was like, oh, he keeps find founding these Justice League groups. And then he was like, oh, move back to the spotlight and then everything. And then boom, found another Justice League group he's, and then phased out. And then he's boom, a character found another. That, they, that they keep pulling out of the spotlight. He's proven that once he's yes. in the spotlight, he can make it yes. work. Because uh, even in New Fifty Two, after the weird Justice League storylines, and he eventually got pulled out of all those books. He got his own series. Yeah. It was a complete reinvention. It focused a lot on that exile period yep. and kind of the growth of the character. I think it was 12 or 14 issues long. I don't remember off the top of my head. I loved it. And then when they announced Rebirth, he's featured a lot in the splash pages yeah. uh, for re the Rebirth event. And we are now coming up on year two and haven't seen him at all. You're going to hear uh, more from us about that. Quite yeah, soon. We, we have some theories on where he's going to pop up, mm -hmm. um, but he's been completely left out of the books for, for quite some time, yeah. a number of years at this point. Yeah, he, he was a prominent member in, in New 52, at least not not as much sideline as he previously had been. No, he, he was at least more woven into the, the fabric yeah. of the universe. He wasn't completely sidelined. I mean, like I said, Stormwatch was introduced in a soft way as backup characters in like the first six issues of Superman. Yeah. Uh, and then Jean himself made appearances in other books 
on behalf of Stormwatch dealing with these things. Again, mostly in the Superman-related titles. And He's mentioned a lot by other characters. Again, but the, the cognitive dissonance that they've set up for this generation between the different medias where the, the 10 years he was like barely in comics, he had a huge media uh, uh, rep- representation in, in all of the cartoon series. So we grew up knowing this character. Uh, and then we get into comics from watching cartoons as kids and start reading comics. And we're like, where is he? Why doesn't he have the same prominence that he does have in all these other media right. formats? You, you see him for five seasons in Justice League. Yeah. And then you go to a pick up a Justice League book and go, he's where is not he? here at all. What's going on here? And that that was really jarring to me as a yeah. fan because it was those media that, that really turned me into a Martian Manhunter you, fan. Yeah. And some gr- there's some great moments he is, in a lot of ways, for me, the, the conscience of the Justice League. Whereas oh, yeah. the Flash, Barry Allen, and the Silver Age was the, the heart, heart of the Justice League. John Jones was the conscience. He was the guy who was willing to say the things that we all knew were right but couldn't bring ourselves to say. Yeah, they trusted Batman to make plans and be intellectual. But they trusted John to tell them what was right. Like, yes. They, they, everybody accepted John's wisdom on matters. They would all look to turn to him for, for thoughts on, on and, and, and any number of things that they were going through. He was always an empathetic ear. He was never judgmental. He, that, that stoicism worked to his advantage where he would just listen and give his honest thoughts and feedbacks on things. And, he, and a lot of people were really helped by that. And he, he was one of the few Justice League members after Tower of Babel that voted for Batman to stay. Yes, I mean, after that event, I mean, everyone throws some stuff in his face because when he was still kind of in the shadows, he gathered information on Earth's heroes because he was trying to determine whether or not they were trustworthy. Yeah. Whether they could be trusted to defend this world that he has now claimed as his surrogate home. And I think Aquaman throws that in his face. Uh-huh. And he's like, how, how can you say you've forgiven me and throw it in my face and then not forgive Batman for this? Yeah. He's always been kind of the, the 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 wizened member of the league. I mean, he's the one who does kind of drop those truth bombs on them. So so again, it's just it's just astonishing now that we're coming up on two years run and have no representation of him. But now that you know a little bit about the Martian Manhunter, know what a gem he is, and uh, um, all the media and formats he's taken place in. Uh, since we can't can't find him right now, let's let's toss them out some recommendations of where we would, where we'd recommend they go to pick up a little bit about the Martian Manhunter. Absolutely, I recommend any of his solo series, mm-hmm. uh, either his 2003 to 2004 book or his New 52 run, which had some absolutely stellar art and actually kind of reinvented his Martian form to look more dragon-like. He was yeah. much more intimidating in his Very his angular. pure form. Uh, it looks a bit like the crown of his head is almost like a xenomorph where it's like stretched out elongated yeah, he's, and pointy. He is very, very, I won't say terrifying, but very intimidating. It's, uh-huh. a, it's a big visual shift for, for the Martian Manhunter. Again, I'll say that if you want to see him at his best, I, I would recommend uh, DC New Frontier mm-hmm. by Darwin Cook. The art is spectacular. The storytelling's great. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a good art. story that shows the heart of Martian Manhunter. I'd also recommend uh, Fifty Two mm-hmm. because again, a lot of his emotion he's he's the emotional core of a lot of things. When people start asking where the Justice League is. His photos up there asking where he is, and it's yeah. really good to see him paying homage to his fallen friends, and it's it's a great story. Yeah, I'm gonna recommend. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna go a bit off the normal trail, but first of all, I'm gonna start recommending his four part 
uh, miniseries. Um, definitely all the things Joe recommended already, but it's four-part miniseries where it retells the uh, the origin of the character and it really sets a new tone uh, and path for him to follow to have a little bit more elaboration on the Martian culture to really dip into that. Um, but on the other hand, we've talked about all these other media formats, and I would be just I'd be regretted if I didn't talk about uh, them and tell you to go watch them. I, I highly recommend Justice League. It's a great place to see Martian Manhunter. It has some of the best Martian Manhunter stories, even comics considered, uh, for his character. Young Justice is also fantastic. Everybody should just watch Young Justice. But to have him as the team mentor and to have uh, Miss a young Miss Martian on, on the team. Well, let's, let's pause here for a second and talk about that because while Martian Manhunter is exiled to the background a lot mm-hmm. he's a character that has spawned a legacy version yes that is more popular and relevant than the mainstay i mean yeah. miss martian his de facto niece, niece. who's actually a white, white martian. martian yeah who has come to earth because she was exiled because she's not like the rest of her race she's yeah. peaceful and she just wants to live takes on the form of a green martian yeah. and joins the the, the teen titans yeah. under the moniker of Miss Martian, and it, it's that—that's why I have to highly recommend Young Justice because it touches so much on the Martian mythos and the the like. One one thing I love about characters—I'm just going long on these recommendations. One thing I love about characters is when you develop more of a background in mythos to them. Swamp Thing with the being the avatar of the Green that Alan Moore did. Uh, Green Lanterns with the developing the mythos of like, oh, if there's two lanterning spectrums, oh, then there's a full spectrum of colors. Um, Flash giving him access to the, the speed force and taking a, just a character with powers and giving them mythos. When you take Martian Manhunter and you get, have him as a, one member representing an entire race, there's all there's a whole planet of cultures and ideas and mythos and stories to draw on from that planet that you can intertwine that character with and make him unique. And so that's why, for my recommendations, I absolutely can't recommend more uh, Young Justice and Justice League, but specifically Young Justice. Um, and all right, that'll be uh, wrapping us up for today. Uh, be sure to listen in soon for a special we're going to have on uh, Thanksgiving. And uh, you, as always, you can find us on uh, Twitter and hallofjoseph.com and uh, anywhere podcasts are available. Yep. Thank you much. See Thanks you guys for next listening. Week.